Hi, I'm uh, Ali Rizvi. I'm the author of The Atheist Muslim. I never listened to this uh, um, Dalimar podcast. I don't even know what I'm doing here. But anyway, let's see how this goes. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us this episode 371 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, as always. Once again, I apologize for my presence. I am in the presence of my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. Time's up. Time is up. <laughs> it's also up that I have no wherewithal of what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. And now I need to find a pen. Oh, I got your back right here. You have my back. Tossing me pens across the studio. That is great. You're welcome. It is on such paper that I will write the times where we flub. That won't happen. And I will go back and edit them expertly. Yeah. <laughs> Off to a good start already. Well, it's just frantic because you're you're out there prepping for the show and then also trying to get in as much Seth Meyers Gold, uh-huh. who is hosting the Golden Globes right now. Yeah. No pun intended between Globe and Gold. Mm-hmm. Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, did, I think it was an it was an okay uh, dicey t- topic wise. Yeah. But well, I think he did a good job. Yeah. Well, he he made the rounds and he was doing interviews talking about. His hosting duties mm-hmm. and if he was going to talk about, obviously, all of the big Hollywood news with everybody. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, all these people. and Who just a couple months ago were titans who were untouchable. Who yeah. Individuals you wouldn't make fun of for both who they are but also their craft as an actor and all of that happened right also people that you would normally see at these events that were absent um sure so he he addressed it and i think he did it in a fantastic way um really really handled it very well he did say i saw him um, interviewed and he said listen tina fey and amy poehler (laughs) they read all my jokes yeah so and they okayed them so if I do this and it doesn't go well. Uh, you can blame them too. It's not just me because they gave me the okay. <laughs> giving, giving. Uh, now, never mind. Okay. Um, so <laughs> my my favorite joke um, of the night was about Woody Allen. Okay. So he said the Shape of Water received the most nominations of any film this year. When I first heard about a film where a naive young woman falls in love with a disgusting sea monster, I thought, oh man, not another Woody Allen movie. (laughs) Okay. And this is, uh, this is great because Woody Allen hasn't yet fallen out of favor by Hollywood by most accounts. Yes. I mean, that's, 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 it's not like a Harvey Weinstein situation. It's not like a Kevin Spacey situation or a Toback or all these other assholes. Woody Allen is still largely respected. Woody Allen still puts out a goddamn movie a year. 
with big Hollywood names attached. Not only that, in 2014, he got the um, Cecil DeMille Award yeah. for the Lifetime Achievement. Yes. In 2014, three, four years ago. Yeah, well, four years now. Yeah. But, but this is after everyone had known about the allegations against him molesting his daughter. And also, he married his goddamn stepdaughter, Sun Yi, or whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. That happened years ago. So... It's been on the table for a long time what a piece of shit Woody Allen is. Well, and we um, tweeted the Dylan Farrow op-ed. She's written a couple of them now over the years. And if you haven't read them, I would recommend you just type in Dylan Farrow op-ed. Go read them if you don't know the story. Um, but I, I want to talk before we get into this further, because <laughs> I, I want to talk about it a little more with Woody Allen specifically. But... There was this movement on the red carpet where everyone wore black and uh, there was a new initiative started called Time's Up. And a part of that, it was like Reese Witherspoon, uh, Eva Longoria, America Ferreira, all these different actresses came together to fund and be representatives for this initiative. And... The initiative includes a legal defense fund backed by, I think, over 15 million in donations at this point. Yeah. And that is to help less privileged women like janitors, nurses and workers at farms, factories, restaurants and hotels protect themselves from sexual misconduct and the fallout from reporting it. Awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, legislation to penalize companies that tolerate persistent harassment and to discourage the use of non-disclosure agreements to silence victims. A drive to reach gender parity at studios and talent agencies that has already begun making headway. And a request that women walking the red carpet at the Golden Globe speak out and raise awareness by wearing black. So, you saw that tonight. Something that was interesting, though, is you saw certain characters that have recently been associated with Woody Allen that have even been asked questions about being associated with Woody Allen uh, in the aftermath of Me Too. Yeah. Uh, one of them who is taking some heat on Twitter is Justin Timberlake, who was just recently in Woody Allen's movie for 2017. Mm hmm. And he was there with his wife, Jessica Beale, who was wearing a black dress. And Justin Timberlake was wearing a Time's Up pin to represent this initiative. Yeah. And it's disturbing because why are you saying Time's Up for Harvey Weinstein, but Time isn't up for Woody Allen, who's also victimizing women, right? Or girls. It, it, yeah, egregious. For me... It's all egregious, but there's a special part of it that's terrible that it's little girls. Mm -hmm. Not that one's not bad. They're both fucking terrible, but there's something extra shitty about victimizing a child. So there was this um, article that was written for the Washington Post by Richard Morgan, and he read decades of Woody Allen's private notes. They're in um, some box at Princeton, and they're like his little notes of script ideas and, you know, just like thoughts. It was donated to the university in some kind of an archive thing. Like the Smithsonian, but it's given to Princeton. Yeah. Yeah. And he wrote an article about it. And this is the title. I read decades of Woody Allen's private notes. He's obsessed with teenage girls. 
His 56 wow. box archive is filled with misogynistic and lecherous musings. And this was a guy who went into this a fan of Woody Allen. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to know the deets going in of, oh, this is a guy I really admire. I want to see his craft. I want to see how he works. I want to see how he comes to his ideas. Because Woody Allen, for as much as a lecherous piece of shit that he is, Mm -hmm. a victimizer of children, his own children, Mm -hmm. he is also a prolific churner-outer of films. One a goddamn year. Yeah. Um, well, and, and since this uh, guy re- wrote that article in the Washington Post, we... Put, let's stick a pin in this, though, because I want to talk about the last couple films Woody Allen has put out, which is pretty much thumbing its nose, challenging someone to do something. Yeah. With the subject matter being that of sexual abuse and sexual power over people out of power. Yeah. Well, since this guy has written um, the the article in the Washington Post, which we'll put on Twitter and Facebook, again, his name's Richard Morgan, and it's I Read Decades of Woody Allen's Private Notes. He's obsessed with teenage girls. You can Google it and find it. Um, there was another article written about Woody Allen's movie, I think it was Manhattan, with Mariel Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And This is from a long time ago, right, when she, she was a kid. Yeah, she was 17 when they were filming the movie and it's about a 42 year old man who falls in love with his 17 year old whatever and you know like all of his movies and um <laughs> part of the part of the movie involved uh, a kissing scene and she had never made out with anyone before she said that she was terrified of this that she didn't know what to expect you know she was 17 and when the time came to film it he just like lunged at her and went for it and it was terrifying and when it was over she kind of like walked away and said to someone do I have to do this again like I don't this is like horrifying for me you know right which Let's put this in kind of a a, a perspective here, mm-hmm. a context. She she's an actress, and this is what's expected of the role. Right. But there's a way to do this professionally that doesn't freak her the fuck out. Yeah. That there, ma- there's a way to do it that is taking into account her trepidation, which any normal fucking person would be able to sense from the other person. Right. Or even just have the wherewithal to bring that out into the open. Hey, are you nervous about this? What can we do to? Yes. And I think you hear actors talk about how they do that anyway. Like if they have sex scenes, they talk to each other about it. And, you know, let's like talk about it. We don't have to act like. Just like any relationship. (laughs) What makes you comfortable? Blah, blah, blah. You go through the fucking the, the the ins and outs of it. No pun intended. Yeah. As to not make the other person uncomfortable. And that goes Women against men, men against the, the whole. The, it's a dynamic that you want uh, to be portrayed on screen. I, I right. would think. So that's not where it ended, though. Once she turned eighteen, um, Woody Allen flew out to her parents' house in Idaho. We're still talking about Hemingway, and um, he wanted her to go to Paris with him. Ugh. And she was like, "Okay." What, what are the sleeping arrangements going to be? Like, I don't know what he's expecting here. You know, are we like going as like a date? I don't know what this means. And she ended up telling him, like, if I'm not getting my own room, I can't go with you. And so he left the next morning. Without her. Without her. Yeah. And did not go to Paris. So whatever he was expecting to do there, I don't know. But um, another situation where someone was uncomfortable, obviously, and yeah, he... 
didn't care. So l- 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 go ahead. Well, I want to get back to what you were saying with the films. So the one that's coming out this year is called A Rainy Day in New York. That is the soon-to-be released film. Right. The one that's in in post-production now. Yeah, and this is what it's about. A middle-aged man who is sleeping with a much younger woman, among other actresses, with a plot line involving sex between Jude Law and Elle Fanning, who plays a so-called 15-year-old concubine. Wow. In this particular um, environment that we have now, this is the kind of film he puts out. Yeah. And the film he has right now that's out also deals with this kind of a thing. I don't... He, here's the the deal with me and Woody Allen. We go way back. No. <laughs> um, I don't fucking get it. Mm-hmm. I don't see him as some mountaintop genius. Oh, he just... He's above heads and shoulders above everybody else. And You're his, not a fan his, of the films. His films are so avant-garde and so... Ugh, fuck, not, I don't get it. I you, don't get it. Even aside from the creepiness, you're just not a fan of the films. Yeah, I, I think for me, and this is my own prejudice, but I... Like, if someone really likes... Him, like, let, let's put it this way. If you like the movie Tree of Life, or if you like the movie The Master, and you think it is those... Oh, my God, that is what good movies are then I think you're up your own asshole. I think that you love hearing the sound of your own fucking voice even oh. more than me. Mm-hmm. And you're you're liking it because you... And this might not be true, but, but I believe that people <laughs> who like those movies, they think they're supposed to like them because they're super creative and super awesome and thought-provoking. Even though they don't really get it, they have to play that part. And I... Maybe I'm not smart enough or I just don't have the fucking time or energy to play that game. Mm-hmm. But there, I walked out of Tree Alive. We goddamn near walked out of The Master. And neither one of these are Woody Allen movies. But we, the last Woody Allen movie we, we went to see... Blue Jasmine. Was Blue Jasmine, shockingly enough, with, with uh, Louis C.K. And, uh, meh. Didn't mm-hmm. fucking like it. Didn't get it. Yeah, so in this, um, not to you know, change the topic. No, that's fine. From I... How much you <laughs> hate Woody Allen movies and think that people who like them are up their own ass. Um, <laughs> the, the film that's coming out this year, <laughs> a rainy day in New York, uh, Selena Gomez is also in it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm probably not going to say this name, right, but I'm going to give it a try. Um, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, sure. Let's go. He's with that. in the, uh, call me by your name movie. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of buzz around him and his performance in that movie. Um, so these are big names. Jude Law, Elle Fanning, yeah, Selena course. Gomez, yeah. this newcomer. Um, what what are they going to do? You know, it, it just seems weird to he's Woody Allen is 82. You know, it's well, it's not as though he's going to be destitute or homeless. Like, I don't understand what the concern is anymore, why they feel the need to defend him or please him or show this seemingly desperate attempt to be connected with him. I understand that he's considered prolific, but aren't there well, other what, people that you could be? Yeah, connected Roman to Polanski and- apparently is a talented director, too, mm-hmm. but he drugs and anally sodomizes teenage girls or a girl mm-hmm. so n- no mountain of talent is going to outweigh that kind of pernicious predatory behavior that guy needs to be dead 
he doesn't need to be lauded with praise about his his cinematic fucking ability. Well, and that's kind of the point here is that Woody Allen is like making a bunch of movies. Is the about- point is Daddy, Woody Allen needs to be dead? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Woody Allen is making a bunch of movies about basically what he did. Yeah, sure. Um, with his his stepdaughter, his stepdaughter is that what she is? Uh, yeah, it was his stepdaughter. It was yeah. Mia Farrow's adopted daughter. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. ended up fucking around with her and then marrying her. Yeah. So <laughs> aside aside from the Dylan Gross. Dylan Farrow stuff, you have him basically just making films repeatedly about his life experiences. So anyway, I don't know. It's uh, strange, but I'm glad that Seth Meyers made a joke about it and brought his name into the fold because yeah. typically people avoid talking about him when it is brought up, when they are asked questions, they avoid addressing it. Good. Uh, listen, and we'll, we'll, let's put a button on this. I, I also think these actors, I don't necessarily think they need to be drummed out of Hollywood, but these actors who continually support Woody Allen and, and hesitate uh, saying anything negative whatsoever, um, they need to be held to account. Something needs to be said to them. Uh, there needs to be some consequence of not going on the record. You can't sit there with your fucking time's up pin, Justin Timberlake, while when asked a question about Woody Allen, say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, th- those rumors are blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. Kate Winslet, same thing. No good. Predation is predation. Harming innocent people is harming innocent people. Yeah, well, and there's been a lot of criticism before this initiative was launched uh, that they were just going to wear black and that there was this was an empty gesture. Yeah. And uh, talk about an empty gesture, wearing the little pin, but then also continuing to associate with people that have victimized people. Yes. Um, that's a problem. So hopefully um, this conversation will continue when people continue to talk about the Seth Meyers joke and Woody Allen be being talked about. Um, hopefully there will be scrutiny on Selena Gomez, on Jude Law, on Elle Fanning, these people that are going to appear in his movie this year. And maybe we'll see that movie um, go the way of Louis C.K.'s film this year. <sighs> that That would be awesome. All right. Well, we'd love to know, obviously, what you think about all of this. Uh, Let me drop the number, and then let's get to a voicemail. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, guys. It's Daria from New Hampshire. I'm back in Houston for a little bit. Um, I just wanted to talk about the regional political differences that you guys were discussing in Going to the previous episodes about how some, like California has baby change stations in the men's restrooms, but maybe like Arkansas doesn't, and how there's, you know, free pads and tampons in women's restrooms in certain areas of the U.S. So I moved from Houston, Texas, the reddest fucking state ever, to live free or die New Hampshire. And it's been a damn whirlwind, y'all. Like, Holy shit. Like, I've moved from a red-ass state to what's supposedly a 50-50 state, even though it feels like a motherfucking blue state. And the school that I go to there now has free pads and tampons in the restrooms, which is something that I've never seen in Texas. 
Um, another thing that they have is that all, a lot of my professors have these little infograms outside of their offices. It's like this little poster, and it explains, like, what a transgender person is, what an asexual person is, what an intersexual person is. It explains all of these things that I would never see in Texas. Um, and it's just, like, it blew my mind because, honestly, like, I think I was just so entrenched in such a red state that I was always walking in on eggshells about, like, what to say and what not to say. And, like, I couldn't even bring up, like, global warming up with my old boss because he would go off on a ramp. But here it's, like, in New Hampshire, it's, like, a damn, like, accepted truth, which is really nice, although I feel like I take it for granted. But, yeah, I just wanted to share, like, holy shit, the regional differences are amazing and it's not even like like it's weird because government wise new hampshire is more texas than fucking texas we have no sales tax no alcohol tax no seatbelt laws and also no motorcycle helmet laws and our state motto is live free or die this state is more fucking texas than texas ever dreamed of being and yet it's so fucking like blue there it's nice i don't know it's just super nice Anyways, I just wanted to share. I had no point in this. Um, love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. <laughs> the signature bye. Bye. Um, well, one, I, Daria, I think that uh, New Hampshire is is more New Hampshire than any other state. That might seem obvious, but New Hampshire is an odd duck. It's a different kind of animal politically than any place in the country. They really prize. There's a real libertarian independent streak that runs through that state that I think a lot of states could really identify with or or benefit from. Um, a way that New Hampshire's very like Texas is the fact that they're very proud. We are New Hampshire. You know, you meet a Texan, it doesn't take you more than fucking five seconds to know because they fucking tell you they're from Texas. When I was in the Marine Corps... The Texan Jesse was a Marine, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the Texan Marines, the Texas Marines were the fucking worst because <laughs> not only are they Marines, mm-hmm. they're also from Texas. So they're like, you know, Jesus got the right hand of the father and they got the <laughs> left. It was just goddamn a mess. Yeah. So what kind of food is New Hampshire known for? You know, New England bullshit. Not they're not really uh, exciting. Yeah. I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe some New Hampshireites can call in. They're going to get pissed off. Yeah. Well, they'll be pissed off. That's kind of what they do. So, Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Unfortunately, you know, it's one of those deals where uh, you do have states like uh, Mississippi and Alabama and Arkansas that are really behind the curve relative to education and health benefits. And um, it's to their detriment that they they allow the kind of politics to take root. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I'd have to really give it some thought to know where that comes from. But there is a defiance that uh, living in the South and being from the South kind of comes along with that. You know, always bucking against the North, always bucking against the Union, you know, the, the United States. Right. Even to their detriment. It's like, fuck, no one's going to tell us. <laughs> we have to have health care. No one's going to tell us we can't impregnate kids. You know, you know, a lot of cousin fucking going on. I, all right. Is that not, is that not a thing? Uh, so amazing. 
Yes. That's the wrong drop to play at the moment. <laughs> no, it's Drew thinks it's amazing. Oh. We have him on a Uh-oh. on a secret uh, T one line right in, so oh. he can just give his his uh, thumbs up, his opinions yeah. whenever he needs. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, that's the only opinion he ever has. So amazing. So. Well, thank you. Anyway, thanks, Dario. We appreciate the call very much. Um, that is it. Let's move on. We got a lot to cover. A lot has gone on. But before we do... Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Darren. Darren. Yes. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Darren's contribution being a new patron isn't a big deal. It's an awesome thing. Uh-huh. We appreciate you joining the family. So much. And if you would like to... Uh, help us out. You can become a Patreon supporter, but you can also shop using the Amazon link, dollamore.com slash Amazon. You can also buy I Doubt It merchandise like t-shirts and mugs and tote bags. And, and if you live in California, the tote bags, we've been using them. Yes, and they work great. <laughs> they, work, they carry all the cabbage you can carry. And that's dollamore.info. Yes. Uh, that is dollamore.info. Okay, that's correct. Yes. So um, those are the ways that you can support us. And we really appreciate it. So thank you. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we say on this show a lot that uh, the news cycle moves so goddamn fast that it's hard to cover everything. And oftentimes, listen, I still have these Mika Brzezinski clips ready to play. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what would you do? There, That's like a punchline. That's like a, 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 a bumper that I wanted to keep using, but I can't really use it, even though I'm still using it. Uh, I can't really use it because I don't have the, the lead up to it. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the background is, what that means. And we've had to push that story three episodes, four episodes now, maybe four, because things move too goddamn fast. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I think we can say that we're done pushing it. And we're oh just... no, it's still we might do it. We might talk about that. I I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that we will. I promised we would talk about it. Okay. When are you going to do that? Well, we'll see. Someday. All right. It's like when you're a kid and you're. Your parents make these empty promises to take you to Disneyland. Yeah. With uh, someday. Well, I'll tell you someday this. Someday we'll I'll, go to Disneyland. I'll tell you this. No one cares anymore. So that's what has happened as a that, result. That, well, maybe not. I, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll, we'll get some emails, some voicemails. Yeah. So because of the fact that there is a frenetic pace to the news, it's not just us that feels it. CNN... Last, I'll tell you what, here's Brooke Baldwin talking about it and giving a list of a weekly list of headlines. Last summer, during the course of one month, the news cycle was so extraordinary, so fast and furious that we compiled a scrolling list of events. Well, this time we are doing a scroll for the events of the past week, the first of the new year. So with that, here we go. 
The New York Times reports the president ordered his lawyer to stop Jeff Sessions from recusing himself. The paper also reports Robert Mueller is aware, and on top of that, a Sessions aide approached a congressional staffer for negative information on Comey just before his firing. A bombshell book releases painting a wild picture of chaos within the White House. The author of that book says that people all around Trump think that he is unfit and acts like a child. We have also learned that a Yale psychiatrist went to Washington and briefed mostly Democratic lawmakers on the mental fitness of the president. Uh, in that book, Steve Bannon, once the president's chief strategist, rips the president and his family, including calling the Trump Tower meeting treasonous and says Mueller's probe is focused on money laundering. Speaking of, the firm behind the dossier publicly warns Congress, look into the president's past dealings, the business dealings specifically with Russia. Uh, the president responding to Bannon releases this extraordinary statement blasting him, saying that Steve Bannon has lost his mind. And he also pins a new nickname, Sloppy Steve. The president's lawyers take the extraordinary step of trying to quash Bannon and the book, issuing a cease and desist letter to both Bannon and the publisher. The president tells Kim Jong-un that his nuclear button is bigger and more powerful. Shortly after that, in a rare move, both North and South Korea communicate. And then the president takes credit for those talks. The president backs protesters in Iran. Tehran condemns him. He then threatens to cut, cut aid to the Palestinians who respond by mocking art of the deal. The U.S. then <laughs> suspends aid to Pakistan. Uh, the president calls on a Hillary Clinton aide to be jailed and then calls his Justice Department a deep state. That same Justice Department is now actively investigating allegations of corruption related to the Clinton Foundation. The president takes credit for no one dying on commercial flights last year. The stock market continues soaring. The Dow crossing 25,000 for the first time ever. Sorry, I thought I didn't have to do this. Every time drinks water. The president teases an award show literally giving a time and date for what he calls the corrupt media. The longest-serving Republican senator announces his retirement, despite the president's wishes, which clears the way for a Mitt Romney Senate run. The president dissolves his controversial voter fraud commission. He also moves to vastly expand offshore drilling. He says dreamers and Hispanics will soon fall in love with Republicans. And Sean Spicer says he screwed up. One week. Welcome to 2018. It really is um, horrifying. It's not really shocking, I guess, because yeah. why would you expect anything to change? That is one week. We're recording this. It's it's January 7th right now. Yeah, this is why it's so hard to, on twice a week, uh, put together a, a little over an hour show yeah. talking about what, what's going on because so much happens day to day. And the way that we plan the show is we're oh, a little how the sausage is made yeah Brittany is letting everyone know right now how just how the sausage is made mm-hmm. proceed <laughs> wow <laughs> uh so we have a thread on facebook messenger yes we do and we read the news all day and when something seems important enough to discuss on the show 
we send that to the thread. Or of interest to the audience. Right. Yeah. So we just, we're always sending things to the thread, always sending things to the thread. And then when the day comes that we start prepping the show because we're getting ready to record, we go back through that thread and figure out what stories seem most important after days of sending things to that thread. Yeah. And so that's why certain things get pushed, like the Mika story. <laughs> Which, well, <laughs> what would you do? Yeah, which uh, wasn't really important in the scheme of things. In the scheme of things, yeah, that's because right. you yeah. have far more important things going on, and you know, one of the things that she highlighted was the voter fraud commission. Yeah, now no more. Yeah, and this would be big news. Something that would uh, take—I don't know how many days would this be you know, on the news where Anderson Cooper's talking about it, like the lead story, because this was such a big deal. He tweeted about this all the Several time. Several days, at least uh, half a week. This would be three, four days. This would be talked about right across all the networks. Yeah. Because so, remember the, the, there was the claim that three to 5 million illegals voted in this election, which, which even though Donald Trump won the electoral college, Without the help and the assistance of, of Hillary Clinton's beating him by three million in the popular vote, he claimed, oh, no, 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 I would have won that, too, except for the fact that three million illegal aliens somehow voted in the election. There was some goon who showed up on, on CNN with, with uh, Chris Cuomo making the claim that he had proof. He had proof that he would soon show to the American people, reveal to us all that this happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, where's that fucking proof, guy? Yeah, Chris Cuomo's like, can I have it? He's like, no. Uh, you have proof, yes. Can I have it? Uh, nah. Nope. You know, when you're making an argument and you want to win and you have proof, right? seems like you would yeah. provide that proof, right? Well, that guy's no more. Who knows where the fuck that guy is? We don't even but, know his name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh, the president issued a statement about this. So, despite substantial evidence of voter fraud, many states have refused to provide the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. Mm -hmm. That's a very cute name, guy. With basic information relevant to its inquiry. Rather than engage in endless legal battles at taxpayer expense... Today, I signed an executive order to dissolve the commission. Mm. Yeah, that's what it is. That's the reason. <laughs> Not the fact that you really were coming up with fucking goose eggs, brother. He is, Nothing. He's so worried about that taxpayer expense that, you know, Mexico is not paying for the wall. So how much is that wall going to be? Uh, $18 billion is what they're asking for the very first round of funding for the wall. Good times. Remember, Mexico was going to pay for it. Yeah, well... R remember also... He was going to self-fund his campaign. Remember that, everybody. Yeah, so Conan always does these remotes. I know we're talking about Conan O'Brien all of a sudden, but um, he always does these remote episodes. No, 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 no. Hang on a minute. I know we're talking about Conan O'Brien all of a sudden. <laughs> I know sudden. I am. You're talking yeah. about Conan O'Brien all of I a am, sudden. Me. We're not talking okay, about it. So he, It's not like we just, oh, yeah, well, we kind of, we steered the ship right into Conan O'Brien. I know, I know. You fucking just... Okay. You know Segway it's, does. It's, it's related to it. And I'll get there eventually. Um, okay. So he went to Mexico for one of his remote shows. And one of the segments that he did was walking around talking. So I was talking about the Pope the other day. <laughs> that would be a better segue than the one I... Um, but he was walking around interviewing people, carrying around like a piggy bank that looked like a wall. 
and he was taking donations for building the wall. Oh, that was when he was in Mexico. Yeah. yeah and yeah, this yeah. guy comes up and he puts his middle finger up and goes to put it in yeah, like yeah. a donation. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what Mexico said all along. And we're not going to pay for your fucking wall. Yes. No. We're Vincente not doing that. Fox said it's that. It's not going to happen. It was never going to happen. And he, yeah. he would say, oh, I'm such a, I, I'm a great deal maker. I make the best deals. Negotiator. I'll get it done. Yeah. Oh, what happened with that? Not not happening. So the other thing is this fake news awards mm-hmm. that is supposed to be tomorrow on Monday. Well, actually, it has been That's right. pushed. He has postponed it until Wednesday, I believe. Yes. He tweeted, the fake news awards, those going to the most corrupt and biased of the mainstream media, will be presented to the losers on Wednesday, January 17th, rather than this coming Monday. The interest in and importance of these awards is far greater than anyone could have anticipated. No one could have anticipated Mm. how important... The awarding to the losers. Don't you award something to a winner? Yeah, aren't they going to win the award? They will be the winners of the award. Yeah, of the fake news awards. Yes. Fox News will be the losers. Yeah, they would lose the fake news awards in Donald Trump's deal. Yeah. I don't think he understands how the English language works. (laughs) I think it's clear Donald Trump doesn't understand how the English language works. Uh... Speaking of that, you see, that's how a segue is done, Brittany Page. Speaking of Donald Trump's ability to not understand the English language, he tweeted that he is a very stable genius. I'm going to play this clip as he was tweeting his that he's a very like smart. I'm really like a really like smart guy, everybody. <laughs> um, it was live on the air, CNN. I'm just going to play a couple minutes of this to see what the what the feeling on the ground was while it was happening in just the last few minutes the president has sent out some um remarkable tweets and i just have to read them because i almost can't can't believe them (laughs) now that russian collusion after one year of intense study has proven to be a total hoax on the american public the democrats and their lapdogs the fake news mainstream media are taking out the old Ronald Reagan playbook and screaming mental stability and intelligence. Actually, he goes on to say, throughout my life, my two greatest assets have been mental stability and being, like, really smart. And he literally oh my writes, God. like, I'm not throwing really that in smart. there, yes, I want okay. to point out. Like, yeah. really smart. Crooked Hillary Clinton also played these cards very hard and, as everyone knows, went down in flames. I went from very successful businessman to top TV star to president of the United States on my first try. I think that would qualify as not smart but genius and a very stable genius at that. Uh, the president says he's, like, really smart. Timothy, your reaction... Well, I, I, don't you remember in elementary school and high school that uh, if your parents didn't tell you this, your teachers did, that people who repeat things about themselves are not always to be believed. I find it bizarre that the president of the United States needs to tell us that he's smart. After all, we determine, I say we, I'm talking about presidential historians, those of us who observe presidents. We, de- we evaluate presidents by their conduct by their actions, by their legislative achievements, by the way in which they conduct foreign policy and keep us safe. Let others tell you you're smart. You don't have to tell us that you're smart. 
This shows, as a number of uh, uh, many people have been noting in the last couple of days, that this book has gotten under the president's skin. What I find remarkable is that a pro shouldn't show that something gets under their skin. The president is very, very emotional at this point, And I don't understand why he thinks it's in his interest to show that. It's also strange that he... He well, he's been like this his whole life. Okay, so this is nothing new. This is how Donald Trump is. This is his personality. Um, but it's it's weird to me that after all this time, he hasn't learned that acting like this just shows everyone how insecure he is. Oh yeah, that saying these things doesn't convince anyone that he's smart. It only raises more questions. Yeah, it's like oh. So you feel really like vulnerable about the fact that you're not smart, you know, I could see you sitting in the therapist chair, act, acting, asking questions like that. Well, I'm, why is it? Why does that? Why do you roll your eyes and because, toss your head back in disgust? <laughs> it was like a mild toss back. It wasn't um, <laughs> severe. But I do you get what I'm saying, though? I, I just For sure I, I don't do. understand how he he's old enough to realize that this really isn't convincing anyone. Right. Or does he think it does convince people? Or does it not matter because it just makes him feel good to do it and to say it? Yeah, I think that's more what it is, that it's really, it's, well, it's like any narcissist. Mm -hmm. And listen, I have kind of come around on the, I I do think he's mentally, um, I don't think he's crazy or losing his faculties. I would be on the side of, of 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 Alan Francis, mm-hmm. Doctor Alan Francis, on this, and mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. I think you've come around, um, not come around like you used to not believe it, but I think you you even you've uh, bolstered your 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 view in this, and so I'm trying to stall right now because I can't rely on you to do it for me. I, I'm trying to find a, an excerpt from the book. No, anyway, so what I was saying about the 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 the, the narcissism thing is. He's not really in it to convince everyone else. He really is about convincing himself of it. Right. Yeah. And it makes him feel good to send off a tweet because uh, (laughs) there are reports now. Every time he tweets, someone goes and they uh, look at or maybe they were watching the news, whatever. There's always a tweet that says this is what was on CNN just a few minutes before Donald Trump tweeted this. And this was the case with these tweets is they were on the news on CNN talking about um, how there's all of this fervor surrounding and questions about whether or not he's mentally fit to be president. And then 10 minutes later, he sends the tweet. Yeah, so he was right. watching. He's watching news coverage and he's just sitting there getting more pissed off and and can't <laughs> control it and doesn't have an outlet, doesn't have anyone to talk to. And so he opens up his Twitter app and just sends off a tweet that <laughs> makes him feel better. I can't find what I was looking for, but I had excerpts of the book. And there's an excerpt in the book where it, it kind of it, it, it touches on this and it talks about. Um, all right. So I found it. Here it is. Uh, shortly after 8 p.m. on election night. This is from Fire and Fury. By whatever his name is. Michael Wolf. Michael Wolf with two Fs. W-O-L-F-F. Extra Wolfy. Uh, shortly after 8 p.m. on election night, when when the unexpected trend, Trump might actually win, seemed confirmed. Don Jr. told a friend that his father, or DJT as he calls him, looked at it as if he'd seen a ghost. Melania was in tears. 
and not of joy. On the Saturday after the election, Trump received a small group of well-wishers in his triplex apartment in Trump Tower. Even his close friends were still shocked and bewildered, and there was a dazed quality to the gathering. Mm -hmm. But Trump himself was mostly looking at the clock. Rupert Murdoch, CEO of Fox News, that's my commentary, not the book, uh, who had promised to pay a call on the president-elect was running late when some of the guests made a, a move to leave an increasingly agitated Trump assured them that Rupert was on his way. Quote, he's one of the greats, the last of the greats, unquote, Trump said. You have to, you have to stay to see him, not grasping that he was now, that he, Trump, was now the most powerful man in the world. Trump was still trying mightily to curry favor with a mogul, a media mogul, who had long disdained him as a charlatan and fool. So Donald Trump maybe now is starting to grasp, this is now Jesse, not the book. Oh. (laughs) I I should have a book reading voice and then a normal voice. I think you did. So I I, I do believe that, that Donald Trump, he, he still views himself as that. It's like, if you could be a powerful politician and with your with your father, you kind of revert back to being a little boy and you know, deferring or demurring to the authority of your, your of your parent. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of Donald Trump. He's he never really thinks highly of himself. He's always he's faking it until he makes it, except in his mind, he's never made it. He's always fucking faking it. Yeah. Um, is that a line or no? Yeah, no, I think that that's perfect. And what, what, what's actually (laughs) kind of comical about this whole situation is that by his constant, uh, talking about this, right? He's constantly tweeting about the book. He's constantly talking about it. He's pissed off about it. He's drawing attention to it. Yes. Um, so much so that they sold the fuck out. Yeah. They, it sold out. They pushed up. The publication dates four days to get it out to start making money um they rushed it so much that several times in the book where it should say public it says pubic like yeah there's, there's all a lot kinds of, of yeah, yeah, many spelling errors, errors, many errors. but also he was at camp david this weekend to talk about important issues right and he took some questions from the press after he talked about what happened at camp david and instead of those questions being about the issues he's created an environment where he had to stand in front of in front of all the reporters but also with the leaders in the republican party paul ryan mitch mcconnell all these people and defend himself against all these claims in the book because he won't stop talking about the book. Mr. President, you were talking about the policy issues that you all were focusing on the last few days here at Camp David, but this morning you were tweeting about your mental state. Why did you feel the need to tweet about that this morning? Well, only because I went to uh, the best colleges or college. Uh, I went to a... Notice, please, please notice. He's not given a reason why he talked about his mental state. Why? Well, you know, the guy's challenging me. I just want to let set the record straight. He doesn't say that. He goes, oh, well, only because I went to a great college. That's why I woke up and decided I needed to defend to say something about my mental state. I also want to say, while he's answering in this way, 
you can see the leaders of the Republican Party behind him in their faces. Yeah, there's it's Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Mike Pence, Kevin McCarthy, and Steve Scalise or David Duke without the baggage, according to himself. That's what he calls himself. Yeah. So David Duke without the baggage. You can't see Paul Ryan in the shot, but you can see those other people. And if you watch their faces, most of them are skilled enough to not have a reaction at all. Mike Pence is a fucking master of even when he's cracking his stupid, sloppy Steve Bannon jokes that we're going to get to. Yes. Just stone-faced. But here's the thing. Why aren't these people horrified? Yeah. And making faces like, oh my God, why am I standing behind this guy? <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Hand on the heart. Like, oh, oh my God. You know, if 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 you had like a friend that was doing this to themselves, you would try to, yes. you know, like, oh, come on, guy. What are you doing? Stop. Stop. You're embarrassing yourself and us. Right. More importantly, everyone else. <laughs> Trump continues. I had a situation where I was a very excellent student, came out, made billions and billions of dollars, became one of the top business people, went to television. So he talks about this all the time, and this bothers me. He says he was an excellent student. He, you know, he said, I had a situation where I was an excellent What's What situation did you have okay, but that you were an excellent student? Still, he talks about being an excellent student 50 years ago. <laughs> 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, no shit. Okay. Listen, if you... If Half you, a century ago. If you don't use it, you lose it, okay? So if you stopped <laughs> reading 50 years ago, you're you're not still smart. Well, especially when you got in because your goddamn dad is a millionaire. So whatever. Everything that he thinks he knew then, it doesn't mean that he knows it now. Like, you need to continue yeah. being someone who reads and learns and, like, figures things out. If you didn't continue that process, it doesn't matter if you were a good student 50 years ago, dude. Right? Yes, this, dude. This bothers me a lot. And for 10 years was a tremendous success, as you probably have heard. Uh, from ran you. for president one time and won. And then I hear this guy that uh, does not know me, doesn't know me at all. By the way, did not interview me for three. He said he interviewed me for three hours in the White House. It didn't exist, okay? It's in his imagination. And what I was heartened by, because I talk about fake news and the fake news media was I really was the fact that so many of the people that I talk about in terms of fake news actually came to the defense of this great administration and even myself because they know the author and they know he's a fraud. And when I saw some. So what does that mean? What, what does, does it mean? What does that say that the people that he calls fake news they were they were asking questions about Michael Wolf's credibility. Wait a minute. Are they what? fake then? Or are they really being honest and earnest about things? Yeah, or are yeah. you just a dick who goes after people who report the facts and the facts sometimes make you look bad, but then sometimes you agree with what they say and then you're really conflicted. So they're fake when they say something he doesn't like, but they're they need to be lauded with praise heaped upon them in spades. When they do something he likes. Ugh. Maybe that will affect the fake news awards that I'm w waiting for with bated breath mm -hmm. on Wednesday. Some of the people say, and you look at some of his past books, he did a book on Rupert Murdoch. It was a terrible uh, expose and it was false. So much of it was false. Uh, I consider it a work of fiction. And I think it's a disgrace that somebody's able to 
uh, have something, do something like that. The libel laws are very weak in this country. If they were strong, it, uh, it would be uh, very helpful. You wouldn't have things like that happen, where you can say whatever comes to your head. But just so you know, I never interviewed with him in the White House at all. He was never in the Oval Office. We didn't have an interview. Uh, and uh, I did a quick interview with him a long time ago, having to do with an article. But I don't know this man. I guess uh, Sloppy Steve brought him into the White House quite a bit, and it was one of those things. That's why Sloppy Steve is now looking for a job. Okay, who else do you have? Yes. So, I mean, he's a clown. He's a goddamn clown. It's a sad, sad, sad situation here. That one, he's calling it an expose that's totally false. Aren't those two things conflicting? If you're exposing something, if it's a lie, it's a lie. You're not exposing anything. If someone says that I drive a green car, but I don't, that's not an expose. That's just a fucking lie. That's just not true. I don't know. That stuck with me. But I am more beside myself. I'm trying to find the words here. Uh-huh. Right now than I have been at any point in this administration. We're a year and months or almost a year in to his inauguration. And as Raina put it, you know, I'm not, I don't know how she put it. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked by anything, but I'm still surprised that this is where we are. Mm -hmm. Nothing he does shocks me. I'm not like, oh, wow, I can't believe Donald Trump that did that. But I'm still surprised that the, that the, the, the presidency of the United States has been debased to this level. You know, what was uh, probably the most disturbing thing that came out of the Sunday shows today was what CIA director Mike Pompeo said. Yeah, another on, chill. On Fox News Sunday. He was asked about the, the nuclear button tweet. You know, yeah. his button is his bigger and bigger works. Button. And Mike Pompeo said, quote, that tweet is entirely consistent with what we're trying to communicate. We want the regime to understand that unlike before, we are intent on resolving this. So we have to communicate like fourth graders in order to convey that to a hostile foreign enemy. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense. He's carrying water for the administration uh, politically rather than doing his job as the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, which isn't a political agency. Or is he trying to give himself wiggle room by saying it's consistent with what we're trying to communicate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he endorses the tweet, Yeah, right? It can't. Yeah. So I want to read, uh, there were many excerpts from the book that were ridiculous to say the least. Th there's one, and by the way, the Gorilla Channel shit is bullshit. It's fake if you haven't already figured that out. This comes from the book. At the White House, do you want to read it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the McDonald's toothbrush thing. At the White House, he retreated to his own bedroom, the first time since the Kennedy White House that a presidential couple has maintained separate rooms, although Melania was spending scant time so far in the White House. 
In the first days, he ordered two television screens in addition to the one already there and a lock on the door, precipitating a brief standoff with the Secret Service, who insisted they have access to the room. He reprimanded the housekeeping staff for picking up his shirt from the floor. Quote, if my shirt is on the floor, it's because I want it on the floor. Then he imposed a set of new rules. Nobody touch anything, especially not his toothbrush. He had a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's. Nobody knew he was coming and the food was safely pre-made. Also, <laughs> safely pre-made. Also, he would let housekeeping know when he wanted his sheets done and he would strip his own bed. If he was not having his 6.30 dinner with Steve Bannon, then, more to his liking, he was in bed by that time with a cheeseburger, watching his three screens and making phone calls. Uh, there is so much there. And again, the problem with this book is that, again, n- notable figures in the media have questioned Michael Wolff and yeah. his journalistic integrity. Well, listen, he works for the Hollywood Reporter. He's not really a journalist. I... Yeah, so it's being questioned. Yeah, but he had unfettered, granted access to the White House. He didn't sneak the fuck in. Of course, of course. But but many people, including Jake Tapper, is saying that it's fine, probably good even, to read this book with some skepticism. The issue there is when he's writing things that validate what we have heard about this president from anonymous sources um, in reports all year. uh, And things that have been corroborated. Yeah, it's not as though we're hearing things and going, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't add up. This is wildly (laughs) out of character for Donald Trump that we know. That doesn't sound like him. This sounds very much like him. Of course it does. Uh, The toothbrush thing... Eh, fucking weirdo he thinks he's going to be assassinated or that he's long held this weird paranoia but you had an issue with the sheets thing with that which i think i didn't think about yeah well i just think it's odd that he won't allow the staff to come in and change his sheets like he demands that he be the one that take them off and like put them in the bag or whatever um why yeah, I, right. Why? Like what's why? going on with the They're going to steal his skin flakes or is he wet in the bed? So is he a 70-year-old having a little pee-pee party in the bed every night? What is in the sheets? Because you know, it has been talked about he does like the pee-pee. Allegedly. It has been talked about that he does like the pee-pee. Okay. I don't need to say allegedly. That's a fact. It has been talked about that he does like the pee-pee. Yeah. I didn't say Donald Trump loves piss. Donald Trump loves pissing on sheets. Donald Trump loves whores pissing on sheets. Allegedly. I didn't say that. Allegedly. I don't need to say that. I'm saying I he... I just think it's a good idea, okay? You're very, very paranoid. In fact, after everything I say on the show going forward, just assume that I am saying allegedly. <laughs> so amazing. So what I need, I need everybody to send in. Just call the voicemail line, 657-464-7609, or email a voice memo with your, from your smartphone to idoubted at dollamore.com. Just saying, allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. Perfect. In however you want to say it. Just one word. Perfect. Allegedly, so I can have a whole lineup yep. of drops. Awesome. Talking, hopefully, about what a genius Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. So, Jake Tapper, 
we talked about him and his tweets. He also interviewed uh, Stephen Miller. Yes, today. Yeah. And what is Stephen Miller's official job over there? He is a senior policy advisor. He does domestic policy and immigration policy. Yeah. So he was... He's a big deal. He's a senior staff member. He he was also close with Steve Bannon. Uh, They have similar worldviews. Steve Bannon got him his job. Yeah, they have similar worldviews, and uh, Stephen Miller has, we've talked about it on the show, but he has problematic um, He's a racist. history yeah. of being racist. He's an alt-right troll in human form. And he's also just like an insufferable human being uh, when you watch him on TV. So <laughs> He is insufferable. You know, he did this interview with Jake Tapper. 12 minutes. It was 12 minutes long. And how long are we going to have much of the clip? Um, I've got two clips. One is in the middle when Jake tells him to settle the fuck down. Okay. And then the other is when, at the end, how it wraps. All right. Let's just do it. All right. Uh, yeah. I, that, we don't need a setup. A phenomenon that was happening that you didn't see, a phenomenon that was happening that the rest of the political class didn't see, all these so-called political geniuses in Washington, whether it be at the big lobbying firms or the only person who's called himself a genius in, in the last week is the president. But the, Which the, because happens to be a true statement. Okay. <laughs> a self-made billionaire who revolutionized reality TV and, and who I'm has sure changed the course of our politics. he's watching and he's happy that you said that. But, but you know, Jake, you can, question, be, no, no, you can my, be condescending. I'm and, not being no, condescending. I'm trying no, to get to the point be, that Steve Bannon... You can be condescending. That was a snide remark. You're sure he's watching and he's happy. Let me tell you something. Why is your that network, you can, look, you can be as condescending as you want. It's part of your MO. But listen, the, you can have... 24 7. I have no idea why you you're attacking have, me. Well, I'll my, explain my, to my, you. My yeah, point I'll, is, I'll tell you why I'm attacking Steve Bannon, you. Steve you can Bannon, have, Jake, you can have a 24 7. He helped push the president's travel ban. What, he helped, I, he helped I'm, pull, pull I'm out. I'm so glad you brought that up. Let because me just, that's one of the fake Steven, news Steven, items in the book. Steven. I would happen to know better than you would, Jake, about how the travel ban was written. Let Steve, me, Bidden, Steve Bannon didn't push the travel if ban. If you would let me ask this question. No, because you have 24 hours of negative anti Trump hysterical coverage on this network that led in recent Winks has some spectacularly think, embarrassing false reporting. I think the from viewers your right now can ascertain. No, who's the being viewers hysterical. are entitled my, to have my, three months of the truth. Why don't you just give me three minutes to tell you the truth about Donald Trump that I know, and then all of our campaign because staff Because it's my show, and, and I don't want to do that. So the, well, this the, isn't, my, this here's isn't, my question. No, but this here's, isn't this isn't a Stephen, courtroom, and I have Stephen, a right to settle speak. down. Settle yeah. down. Calm Look, down, Jake. I have a question <laughs> for you about issues. Stephen Bannon, who the president says. Uh, had nothing to do with his presidency. He was part of the president's travel ban. He was part of pulling out of the Paris climate deal. He was part of withdrawing from the TPP. He's part of border security. He's t- part of being tough on okay, immigration. So you want to go He's part of, no, I don't want to go through. But my point is, is it okay. really the position of the Trump White House that Steve Bannon had nothing to do with the presidency? Or can you acknowledge the reality that he was a key player? I think that what the point is, is that his role has been greatly exaggerated. Whereas the president hasn't gotten the due that he deserves for the movement that he put together to tap into the kinds of people whose life concerns don't get a lot of attention on CNN. The president isn't getting the due he deserves. He's the president of the goddamn United States of America. He's getting the due that he deserved for this movement that he's created, quote unquote. Absolutely he's getting the fucking credit. Steve Bannon's not getting the, he might be tangentially getting the credit because he tapped Donald Trump into this army of Pepe the Frog freak shows. Maybe. But Donald Trump's getting the credit. Donald Trump is also getting the criticism. 
this this was a, a bizarre interview on the part of Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller seemed very out of sorts. Uh, Jake Tapper mentions, and we're going to play it here in this coming up clip here, that he's playing to an audience of one. Look, I, I see what you're doing here, Stephen Miller. You know the only person that really matters who's watching right now is Donald Trump, and you want to make him happy. It seemed like that because there were moments where it seemed like he was on the verge of losing his train of thought. Yeah. He was he was lost. Right. Only trying to perform for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. This is how the interview ended with Stephen Miller and JTAP. And this very well in itself could just be JTAP taking care of biz 24-7, 365, because he shuts him up, cuts him the fuck off. Like no one, I've, I've never seen this happen on a news program. Um, on Saturday, President Trump put out a series of tweets trying to defend himself on this issue of fitness. And he said, quote, actually throughout my life, my two greatest assets have been mental stability and being like really smart. Crooked Hillary Clinton also played these cards very hard and as everyone knows, went down in flames. I went from very successful businessman to top TV star to president of the United States on my first try. I think that would qualify as not smart, but genius and a very stable genius at that. Do you think tweets like that help or hurt the cause that the president is stable and up for the job? Not only do I think they help it, but I think in the toxic environment that you've created here in CNN and cable news, which is a real crisis of legitimacy for your network, and we saw it, of course, with the extremely fake news you reported about the Don Jr. and WikiLeaks story. There was a huge embarrassment for your network. Stephen. Just like the huge embarrassment you had when you got the Comey testimony wrong. Stephen, I'm trying to get to the issue of the president's fitness, which a lot of people well, are and I'm getting to the issue of your no, fitness. You're... But the president's, the president's tweets absolutely reaffirmed the plain spoken truth. A self-made billionaire revolutionized reality TV and tapped into something magical that's happening in the hearts of this country. The people that you the don't has approval the people, rating in the thirties. I don't know what people, magical you're talking people, about. The people <laughs> that you don't connect with and understand, the people whose manufacturing jobs have left, who've been besieged by high crime communities, and who've been affected by a policy of uncontrolled immigration. Those black, voices, those way, experiences right there. don't get covered on this network. That's so, why the I mean, it, it, to, those two statements right there, who've been besieged by high crime communities. That's code for black people. And then the immigration thing, of course, not even code for brown people. Because Stephen Miller is an unabashed fucking racist. He's one of the worst. He, he, he for sure is as bad as, as, as Steve Bannon, maybe worse. He is friends with Richard Spencer. They went to school together at Duke. Richard Spencer has done interviews where he says, I hope that this doesn't come out that we're as close as we are because it won't be good for Donald Trump if people find out, if they know the truth about my relationship with Stephen Miller. Dickface continues. Prove the point. I was, I was booked to talk about the very issues I'm just describing and you're not even asking about them because they're not interesting facts to you. That's not true. I have plenty of questions on immigration. You've attempted to filibuster by talking about your flights no, to the I'm not, I'm, no, I want to ask a you a question because uh, you don't, have, No, you, don't be you, condescending. You, Jake, Jake. Steven. Jake, the president and the White House. The reason why I want to talk about. The president and the White House. The reason why I want to talk about 
the president's experiences, what I've seen with him traveling to meet dozens of foreign leaders, with his incredible work. Okay, you're not answering the questions. No, I understand. You have 24 hours a day of anti-Trump material. You're, being, and you're not going to give three minutes for the American people I to get hear it. the real experience you're, you, of you, Donald Trump. There's one viewer that you care about right now, and you're being obsequious. No, you're being which, a factotum no, in order you're to being, please him. Okay. No. And I think, you know, I've you know I, I think I've wasted enough of my you viewers' know who time. I, you know who Thank I you, care Stephen. About? As Republicans, hey, Jake, lawmakers call you know for Attorney General Jeff Sessions to resign. In a major reversal, Democrats are now coming to his defense. What changed? We'll ask the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee next. That is awesome. Shutting him the fuck down. That is what that was. Yeah, I love when he was quiet. <laughs> the mouth closed and he gave up. That was my favorite part. Well, even if they'd cut his mic, you'd still bleed into Jake Tapper. So he did shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And it really was a spectacle to behold that he was performing for Donald Trump. He yeah. didn't give any information. He was there to refute the claims in the book. He was there to paint a portrait of Donald Trump as some kind of political genius the world has never seen. He told several, sorry, he said several times that they would, there would be breaking news while on the plane. And in 20 minutes, he would dictate 20 or 30 pages to someone to condense into talking points or uh, text for a speech. He tried to get that out over and over and over again. He kept saying, you can't give me three minutes. He took way more than three minutes extolling the virtues of, of the genius that is Donald Trump. So Donald Trump tweeted after this and said Jake Tapper of fake news CNN just got destroyed in his interview with Stephen Miller of the Trump administration. <laughs> Watch the hatred and unfairness of this CNN flunky. Uh, so he's writing this as though he's a troll creating a YouTube video. Right. Watch JTAP get destroyed by my boy Miller, you know? That's exactly what he did. What, what else? <laughs> Something else that's weird about this, though. Maybe Donald Trump has his own channel, and mm-hmm. he's, he's I'm sure he does. very, very good at artful titles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God damn. Something that's interesting about this tweet, though, is not that he's tweeting people saying, go watch Stephen Miller, who is doing this interview with fake news CNN and providing valuable information to the American people. It's go watch Stephen Miller, who won against Jake who Tapper. destroyed Jake Tapper. Isn't the point of appearing on these Sunday shows to dispense information to the American yes. people? Have your representatives go out and talk to these people and give those talking points. Talk about immigration. Talk about these things, your policies. But instead, you have Stephen Miller interrupting Jake Tapper to say, well, it's a factual statement that he's really smart. That's why he felt the need to say that. Jake, Jake, Jake. Jake. Yeah. And, Jake. and then acting like Jake Tapper isn't the one who wants to talk about what's right. actually going on. He should have been there to further the the agenda of the Trump administration. Instead, he was there to sell the idea that Donald Trump is some kind of a fucking unique genius. So something else that came out um, after this. I don't know if it was after this. It was today at some point. Steve Bannon issued a statement. Oh, yeah. Now, people are calling it an apology. A whimpering. And I don't know if it's an apology. He He's walking it back. He's for sure walking it back, but I don't think he apologized. I don't think so either. He so, clarified, let's say. Okay, so this is what he said. And after days, 
after days of the quotes out in the press yeah. of what he said about Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting in Trump Tower, and then he finally comes out with this statement. Donald Trump Jr. is both a patriot and a good man. He has been relentless in his advocacy for his father and the agenda that has helped turn our country around. My support is also unwa unwavering for the president and his agenda, as I have shown daily in my national radio broadcasts, on the pages of Breitbart News, and in speeches and appearances from Tokyo and Hong Kong to Arizona and Alabama. President Trump was the only candidate that could have taken on and defeated the Clinton apparatus. I am the only person to date to conduct a global effort to preach the message of Trump and Trumpism and remain ready to stand in the breach for this president's efforts to make America great again. My comments about the meeting with Russian nationals came from my life experiences as a naval officer stationed aboard a destroyer whose main mission was to hunt Soviet submarines to... <laughs> To my time at the Pentagon during the Reagan years when our focus was the defeat of the evil empire and to making films about Reagan's war against the Soviets and Hillary Clinton's involvement in selling uranium to them. My comments were aimed at Paul Manafort, a seasoned campaign professional with experience and knowledge of how the Russians operate. He should have known they are cunning and not our friends. To reiterate, those comments were not aimed at Don Jr., Everything I have to say about the ridiculous nature of the Russian collusion investigation I said on my 60 Minutes interview. There was no collusion and the investigation is a witch hunt. I regret that my delay in responding to the inaccurate reporting regarding jo Don Jr. has diverted attention from the president's historical accomplishments in the first year of his presidency. So again, he's not apologizing. He's not saying, I'm sorry. He's saying, I regret. Well, he regrets waiting so long to correct the record. Right. Because but it's it not like, I was so busy. I got a lot of shit on my plate right now. I couldn't really correct the record. He's, it was calculated. Right. But this might placate Donald Trump because he's such a fucking dumb guy. Well, and it's interesting that after Stephen Miller, because Stephen Miller, again, was close with Steve Bannon, that um, Stephen Miller comes out and is not defending Steve Bannon. Everyone has turned against him. Yeah. So he might be feeling the pressure because everyone has turned against him. Yeah, even the Mercers, who are the financial controller of Breitbart.com, which is his gig. And I listen, he's, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars himself. Steve Bannon is. He had a hand in the production of Seinfeld. He's got a lot of money. Hmm. So he, it's not like he's going to be out on the street looking for a gig. He, this is a guy who wants power. He wants to maintain influence, credible influence, even if it's among the shitlords of, you know, the Pepe and the Confederate flag-waving shitbags. Um, anyway, let's, let's cut it there. Um, th th there's more to come. Um, goddamn. Taking care of biz. Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Yes. Taking care of biz. Yes. This story is going viral, so you probably heard it. Um, she... You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking care of biz because she responded to a um, very unkind individual. Yeah. In a very kind way. Why is Sarah Silverman not my best friend? You know, why isn't she my best well, friend? Not, Brittany, 
I said it first. Don't try to fucking steal my thunder. I have been saying that for much Why longer. Why is she than not following me on Twitter? And know. like helping the 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 movement that we're creating here, moving the conversation forward. You know, it seems like she would enjoy some of the Dollamore vids. <laughs> so I don't know why. I don't know. I can't tell you. But here's what happened. On December 28th, someone tweeted her and called her a cunt. Yeah, yeah. And she gets this a lot. She talks about it on her show. And um, she gets all kinds of terrible tweets all the time. But part of her show, um, I Love You America. Which is a great show. On Hulu. Is about bringing people together. All this political division and trying to bring everybody together. So in the spirit of that, she responded to this person. She said, I believe in you. I read your timeline and I see what you're doing and your rage is thinly veiled pain. But you know that. I know this feeling. P.S. My back fucking sucks too. See what happens when you choose love. I see it in you. Now, the reference to the back was that he, in his timeline, had been talking about how he has back issues, is in a lot of pain, yeah. can't work, things of this nature. Um, he ended up tweeting her back and opened up to her a little bit said I can't choose love a man that resembles Kevin Spacey took that away when I was eight I can't find peace wow. if I could find that guy who ripped my body who stripped my innocence I'd kill him he fucked me up and I'm poor so it's hard to get help and she continued to talk to him it's a, this is a someone who's hurting yeah she yeah. said I want to kill him too I can imagine your rage starts a conversation with this person who again called her a cunt right on Twitter um, and she ended up tweeting to her followers, um, and a, making a call. A vast network of people. Yeah. Yo, San Antonio, any kick-ass backslash neck care specialist willing to help my friend, tagged him on Twitter. He has several slipped discs, no insurance, and can't work because of severe pain. Let's get him back on his feet. Who's in? Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's emotion inducing awesome. Yeah, it's inspiring because and you you get people that are antagonizing you all the time. Yeah, for sure. And I've had a few here and there. Um and your initial reaction is not to help them. <laughs> yeah. That is true. It is not to respond to them and say I know that you're hurting and you're just lashing out at me. Um and the other thing is this could be very condescending and almost passive aggressive. But this wasn't. She yeah. really genuinely meant this. You know, you've seen people try to do something like this. Like, oh, I bet you're really, you know, hurt. And that's why you're right. Well, the, also communicating yeah. that kind of it, it, it very easily can backfire right. and come across as, as shitty. Right. So this is inspirational. It and, really is. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if it's worth it always to engage these people, but if, if sometimes you can get a troll to recognize the humanity in the situation, like Sarah Silverman did here, she's not just this figure out in, floating in, in space. Yeah. She's an actual person. She exists. She goes to the grocery store. She struggles with things. And I think that she made that apparent to him yeah and it was just two humans exchanging um their it, their troubles i looked up to it a lot because um i don't always have this in me i joke with drew 
Ivy League educated attorney, Drew Levine. I, I tease Drew a lot because <laughs> Drew is a beautiful, a beautiful guy who who I tease that he has too he offers too much fairness and charity to the intentions and the arguments that other people have. And sometimes I think that the, the criticism is justified, but rarely. I think for the most part, Drew would be this kind of thing. And I think we could all learn from a Sarah Silverman. We could all learn from people who, like Drew, offer people the benefit of the doubt before being cynics. Because I'm kind of a dick. I don't know if over the course of the 400 plus episodes that we've produced that has been conveyed. <laughs> but I'm I'm slow. I'm more cynical. And I think all of us could learn a lesson from this to be a little bit more genuine or a little bit more generous in how we deal with, with even people who are being, look, it, it's kind of a lesson that Jesus taught. Um, you know, pray for those who persecute you and it'd be like pouring hot coals on their head. It's a scripture. And uh, in this today's Bible lesson, everybody, it's kind of that, you know, be kind to those who, who, who are hurt, hurtful to you. Um, fucking difficult, impossible sometimes, I think, but a lesson is learned here. For, certainly by me, certainly by me. All right. Well, is this it? I think so. Shall we end it? We yes. appreciate your participation in episode 371. We will be back on Wednesday or Thursday with episode 372. We love you. We appreciate you. If you would like to support the show, like many before you have, you can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. There are many different levels of support that you can offer to the show. There are many perks from stickers to Google Hangout calls every month to watching weekly live streams of the program on the YouTubes. We would love to have you support the show. You can also go to dollamore.com slash Amazon and buy all kinds of quality wares. On Amazon.com, sold to you by Jeff Bezos, the wonderful Washington Post owning Jeff Bezos. Anyway, if you want to communicate with the show, if you'd like to sound off, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We fucking love you guys. We appreciate you, and we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it. Here's the the deal with me and Woody Allen. We go way back. No. <laughs>